What is going on, guys? Dave, Dave Picks and Papers and I are back. Well, sort of. Uh, this ep- this is episode one of Dave and I's new show, which has no name, but will <laughs> soon, we hope. We took a couple of weeks off, but I'm excited to talk some football and fantasy. How about you, Dave? Yeah, I'm happy to be here. You know, we we skipped the last two weeks for a variety of reasons that couldn't be avoided. And a lot's happened in the in the NFL and and, and fantasy football too. So uh, I'm excited to uh, to get back after it tonight. Absolutely. Uh, before we get into our discussion tonight, let the people know where they can find you on Twitter, Dave. Yep, I'm at Pigskin Papers. Uh, both of those P's are capitalized. Uh, I post my content there, but also uh, on my website, which is thepigskinpapers.com. Uh, two articles a week during the football season. Um, I'll have my weekly fantasy preview up uh, tomorrow morning, and my waiver wire column went up on Tuesday morning. Paul, where can awesome. people find you on Twitter and uh, talk about any content you got? Uh, yes, guys, I and the like. Sorry, sorry about that, Dave. We're here, here we are. We're working out the kinks already, guys. I'm Paul Ryan. You can find me on Twitter at Paul underscore Ryan fifteen. As far as content goes, you can find my Dallas Cowboys focused podcast every Monday night at 9 p.m. on Twitter and YouTube. And on every Friday night, you can find us on, on Twitter and YouTube as well as we do. Sometimes we do a sneak peek if we can't find a guest, uh, you know, just kind of uh, discussing what we think might happen during the game. Or we'll have a guest, and our series is called Offsides, where we bring on a guest of the opposing team the Cowboys are playing, and we talk about what it's like being a fan of the opposing team, you know, how they feel about the the team situation and what they expect for the game. So that's always a fun episode. I like working with, you know, guests of opposing teams. I, I can't wait for, what is it, week 15, 16, when the, uh, when the Cowboys and Dolphins play each other. It's going to be fun. Yes, sir, absolutely. I'm looking forward to that. I know uh, I, 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 I know you're more of a Dolphins fan, but it would be nice if you could come on and talk some Giants with us. I'm having a hard time finding Giants fans, but Listen, I, don't, here nor there, Dave. I don't want to talk about that team. <laughs> I, hey, you're not alone there, man. And I'm not going to want to talk about them, especially after the Cowboys, you know, probably shut them out again, 40 to nothing or whatever, whatever the week one score was. That's that's going to be ugly. And we'll, we'll talk about that game um, later on in the show when we when we look ahead to uh, to week 10. Yes, sir, we will. Well, Dave, like most Monday night games, this week's this week's was one of the uglier ones, except for Austin Eckler, who was the star of the show. However, the main talking point of this game was the Jets' offense. Now, the Jets' offense have scored eight offensive TDs in eight games, and it's clearly what's holding them back. Is there anything they can do to fix that side of the ball? You know, I, I was one of the unfortunate 70,000 people who was at the Jets-Giants game two weeks ago, um, yeah. which was easily the worst football game I've ever attended and maybe the worst football game I've ever seen, and I've gone to some bad high school football games. I mean, it was just <laughs> part of what made it so bad is it was raining the whole time. Um, the seats I was in are not covered. Uh, we don't have a retractable roof like that nice stadium you've got in Dallas. And uh, so it was pretty miserable to be out there and then watching, you know, 24 punts, 23 mm. first downs or 24 first downs, 23 points. And then, you know, the Jets a week later, don't look any better on offense. Um, in fact, in that giant game, you know, they just had seven points until the very end of the game and they got the two field goals, the one to tie and the and the one to win. And then against the Chargers, they didn't even score a touchdown. They just got two field goals. Um, 
and those are not elite defenses, the Giants and the Chargers. Those are, you know, kind of the Chargers have been bad against the pass. Um, you know, those are kind of average at best defenses. So the Jets, you know, they they I think probably had an opportunity at the trade deadline to maybe try to trade for a quarterback. There weren't exactly a lot of them out there, but yeah. Josh Dobbs, Josh Dobbs was available. I'd rather have him than Zach Wilson. Um, you know, you mm-hmm. saw it on Monday night. W- Wilson has played a little bit better. He certainly played well in the in the Kansas City game um, about a month ago, but he still holds the ball too long. He doesn't seem to have that much of a pocket presence or or sense pressure. Um, he really is locked in on one guy and one guy only. It feels like um, you know a lot of force throws to Garrett Wilson when he's not open, um, and then just a lot of inaccurate throws. Um, you know, at this point, I don't think there's a free agent quarterback out there that could make a difference for them. I know the Rams just signed Carson Wentz. I don't think he would be the answer. Um, you know, despite everything you hear about Aaron Rodgers' miracle Achilles recovery, I don't think he's playing, you know, any time before it matters in terms of making the playoffs. So I think they, they're stuck with the hand they have, and they have to hope that they can be in enough games where their defense just keeps it close. Maybe they get a, a key turnover um, or special teams play and, and pull out a bunch of ugly wins to try to make the playoffs. I don't really think that um, that Wilson is going to improve enough to make a difference. Uh, you've watched this team too. Any Any different thoughts? No, just if the Jets could possibly trade for a four-time NFL MVP, I think that would fix all their problems. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and then have him play one series. Unbelievable. Yeah, I think he had Crazy. he had more he had more passing yards um, pre-game Aaron Rodgers than than Zach Wilson did all game. I think. Yeah, it's tough to watch. Um, but on the other side of the ball, Paul, you know that the Chargers have won two in a row. They're four and four now. Um, their defense has started to play a little bit better, which obviously that was the main problem early in the season. But for to me, something with this team still doesn't really look right. I mean, they you know they were without Austin Eckler for a bunch of weeks. He's back now. You know, Mike Williams is out. Josh Palmer's out. They've had a lot of of injuries. Keenan Allen's been kind of the one constant there with with Justin Herbert. Um, is this a playoff team? Do you think? How do they look to you? Yeah, not you know, with that defense missing Mike Williams is not coming back. Uh Justin Herbert, who probably is still being affected by that by that broken uh, what is it, ring finger or middle finger on his hand. He's not on throwing. his left hand. Yeah. I, I know I understand it's not throwing him, but I think it's still affecting him. I just and plus you add in the the coach who I haven't watched the Chargers game in a little while since the Monday night game against the Cowboys, but who just has always never put his team in a position to win, always kind of looks out against the the worst teams who teams that are somehow worse than the chargers. I just, I can't see them as a, as a playoff team, especially with the pieces missing on offense. Yeah. I, I think also, you know, the AFC is somewhat loaded and it's not just the AFC North. Um, You know, you've got at least the bills and the dolphins and the AFC East that should be in playoff contention. You've got all four teams in the AFC North. Maybe you've got the Texans or Colts if they get hot alongside the Jaguars. Probably not. So it's going to be tough. I mean, there's going to be, you know, probably nine 
teams fighting for seven spots, something like that. Um, a tough test this weekend. You know, they they have the Lions coming in. Um, if they can win that game and, mm. you know, make it three in a row and get to five and four, you know, with a win over a quality opponent like that, then we can revisit it next week. But I, I think this is a big game for them because they don't want to get back under 500, obviously, after, you know, just find it, uh, finally getting out from under 500. Right, right, right. So, uh, yeah, I'm Dave, sorry, sorry for the sorry. delay there. I'm I'm, uh, I'm spacing here a little bit. Um, this is uh, <laughs> no worries, no worries. Uh, let's let's uh, we we've been off for a couple of weeks, folks. So I apologize. <laughs> uh, so now we're gonna we're gonna get into our our team segment, and this is where um, Paul the Cowboy fan, David the Dolphin fan, uh, we reflect on how our teams did this past week, and unfortunately, uh, we we both teams took losses in kind of key measuring games, you know, that they were playing the two teams that went to the Super Bowl last year, um, both on the road, although Miami was at a neutral site in London, uh, sorry, in Germany, um, to play the Chiefs. Both teams had a chance at the end um, to either tie or win uh, and came up short on their final drive. The, the Cowboys got all the way, you know, deep into the red zone. The Dolphins kind of stalled outside the 20 and had like kind of two brain fart plays to end the game. Um, so it was frustrating, I think, for both teams because they were both kind of right there against a team they know they're going to have to beat um, at some point if they want to go to a Super Bowl themselves in all likelihood. Um, so let me ask you, Paul, the Cowboys came close, but you know now they've lost two in a row going back to last year to the Eagles, which is kind of you know, if the Cowboys don't want to be a wild card and have to go on the road like they had to do last year um, to try to get deep into the playoffs, this is the team they have to beat. Um, how do you think they measure up? You know, how close do you think these two teams are after seeing them play their first of two in Philly? You know, I, I, this they're, they're closer than I initially thought. You look when you look at the records, I mean, it's see, uh, it's clear that Philadelphia is the better team. But with that being said, after watching the game on Sunday night, the way Dak's been playing these last three weeks, uh, I think he's playing with motivated. I think he's playing determined. And um, our offensive line, man, has just kind of been a weak leak for this offense. And then the lack of the running game is really hurting. We're relying a lot on Dak. Not to mention uh, my guy, C.D. Piglet, my co-host of the Cowboys podcast, he mentioned that the, the defense hasn't really been – the stalwart that it has been in years past, uh, not just this past game, but for a couple of weeks now. And, um, you know, when he brought that to light, it kind of made me realize that if this team isn't really forcing turnovers, it has to almost play perfect to give us a chance to win just because of the issues with the offensive line and everything else. And I do think we're close, but Philly, I do think is the better overall team. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, the one thing that's surprising this year, and I agree, Dallas's defense, you know, when they're playing really bad teams, their defense kind of goes off. Um, yeah. And and when they're playing better teams, you don't see it as much. Um, and they, you know, they're not as formidable. The Eagles' defense is almost like below average at this point, which is really surprising mm -hmm. you, when you look at the pieces on that defense. But you know, look, they only have one loss and they're the only team in the NFL that only has one loss. So they're obviously doing enough right to keep getting wins. Um, 
but they're, you know, their defense is allowing teams to hang with them, not just, you know, the Cowboys obviously should hang with them, but a week before the Commanders, you know, the Jets before that. Um, so they're, you know, they're not um, not the unit from last year that, you know, set an NFL record for sacks in a season. Um, they're getting some sacks, but their secondary is pretty vulnerable. So I think the Cowboys are closer to them, and, and that's the main reason for me. And now with Dallas Goddard out, which is a key piece of their offense, um, you know, that, that might weaken them further as a team. So yeah, I mean, they get the bye week, which is always good because Hertz was, I don't think he's a hundred percent his knee. He looked a little gimpy um, at times. So uh, we'll see how they do coming out of the bye. I know they have some tough games when they come back. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about your Dolphins, Dave. And Miami, man, it's surprising. They haven't beaten a team with a winning record in, in more than a year, which is just shocking to me. How worried are you that Miami can only beat the, the bad teams and can't measure up to a better competition? Well, that's the question, I mean, that, that everyone's pointing out and everyone's asking. Um, you know, when you look at their schedule this year, they've pounded bad teams. You know, they beat up on the Panthers and the, the Broncos, who are playing better now, but at the time were, were pretty terrible. Um, you know, the Giants, the Patriots twice. Their, their only quote-unquote quality win was against Chargers in week one. Um, and they, the three losses are the Bills, the Eagles, and the Chiefs, which are, you know, coming into the year, at least you'd say th maybe the three best teams in the NFL or three of the five best. Um, yeah. At least this one was close. You know, they, they, I, I took a couple good things away from this, from this loss. One, they went down 21, nothing after that kind of weird fumble six at the end of the first half when they were driving for points. So, that was one really pivotal, like 10 point at least swing, maybe 14 point swing. And they were down 21 nothing, and they didn't give up another point. I mean, they shut the Chiefs out in the second half. Their defense, you know, Jalen Ramsey is making a difference. I think since he's been back the last two weeks, their defense has been more solid. And, and Jalen Phillips also is back healthy. Now they get the bye week, um, you know, a week for the whole defense to, to get healthier. Xavier Howard, you know, he's also been struggling with a groin injury. I, I think Vic Fangio is going to have that defense playing better than what we're used to from the Dolphins. And if they could start winning some games where they don't have to rely on their offense to score 30 plus points, um, mm -hmm. that'll be good for them. So the schedule's weird for them. The next five weeks when they come out of the bye, they got two with the Jets in that five games, and they have, I think, the Raiders, the Commanders, and the Titans. So it's a pretty easy overall stretch. And then they finish um, the last three. I forget the order. I think it's Dallas in week 16, at Baltimore in week 17, and then at home against the Bills in week 18. So if they're going to beat some good teams, that's going to be the time to do it. Um, we'll have to see what their record is going into those games and how badly they need them and how badly the other three teams need those games. But that's going to be, you know, and and look, you, we all know how the NFL works. The way a team is playing in week 10 could be really different than the way they're playing in week 15 or in week two. So. Yeah. 
I don't know how good those three teams will be at the time. I would not want to play the Ravens this week. Um, I'd be okay playing the Bills this week. Um, the Cowboys are the Cowboys. They've been pretty consistent this year. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm, am I worried they can't beat a good team? Yes. Do I think they're a good team? I do. So it's somewhere in the middle. I mean, what are your, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I like what you, you said about the defense stepping up and not putting so much pressure on the offense to score so many points. And with the with bringing back Jalen Ramsey and Vic Fangio kind of figuring things out. And uh, you guys are also missing, what, three? Was it three or is it now two starting offensive linemen? I mean, you guys have been dealing with some health issues too. So you probably will be clicking and getting into sync right at the most important part of the season. So, you, you know, that's something that's kind of the silver lining there. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that about the offensive line because I had that down in my notes and and forgot to say anything about that. I mean, that's just been a problem all year. You know, Tua gets the ball out quick. He hasn't been sacked that much, but, you know, they're a real timing offense. And even with him getting it out quick, you need the line to give him at least the time to do that. And run blocking, obviously, they've run the ball really well this year. Mm -hmm. I think in some ways that's been in spite of their offensive line, not because of it. Um, it's part of that is just the, like the Shanahan scheme that McDaniel brought over. There's just nice creases and Mostert and a chain are fast. You know, they hit those creases very quickly and and get into the open field. So, um, you know, hopefully the bye week, uh, they can get the offensive line a little bit healthier. Um, keep, keep more of their starting five in there every week. And I think that'll obviously, and you've seen it with the Cowboys too. You know, when your line is is not playing as well as it can, you know, things don't go as well. That's that's a pretty obvious thing in football. So, um, so we'll see. You know, it losing to the Chiefs isn't the worst thing, right? I mean, they're the Super Bowl. Exactly. Champions. Yeah. Losing right. to the Eagles isn't the worst thing. They went to the Super Bowl last year. Like you can't overreact to it. Um, and and both teams played played close games. So. Um, I think you and I can both hold our head high and still be upset with a loss and look forward to, uh, to to the future. Now, your team gets to play right away, which is good, and they get to beat up on a bad team. The Dolphins have a week to lick their wounds and then and then come back against the Raiders in, uh, in week 11. So we, we haven't had a show for a couple weeks, and so um, a lot has changed in the NFL like the last time we spoke. The 49ers were coming off their only loss of the year. Now they've lost three in a row. Um, So I'm guessing, you know, that for both of us, uh, our power rankings have changed some since we last did a show. So why don't you go first, Paul? Why don't you give me your your top ten, bottom three, what we call the power ten and the the power outage, Um, and then I'll uh, and then I'll give mine. Okay, so I'll start with the top 10 here. Number one, Philadelphia Eagles. Number two, Kansas City Chiefs. Number three, the Baltimore Ravens have leap, leapfrogged the San Francisco 49ers. And number four, I have the San Francisco 49ers. Number five, the Cincinnati Bengals making their biggest rise uh, so far this year. Number six, I have the Detroit Lions. Number seven, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Number eight, Dave, don't be offended. I have your Miami Dolphins. Number nine, I have the Dallas Cowboys. And number 10, I have the Seattle Seahawks. You know, I think – oh, no, we don't have the same 10 teams because uh, our, our number 10s are different. I think our first nine 
are all the same, um, just in different order. But before I give mine, what's your what's your bottom three? Who are your, oh, who sorry, my teams and the power outage rankings. Number one, the Carolina Panthers. Number two, the Arizona Cardinals, and number three, the Tennessee Titans. The Titans, really? Okay. I like the Titans, but they've got a lot of work to do with that team, man. Okay, well, that's fair. Um, so my top ten, I got the Chiefs at the top, and and really for me the reason is their defense. Um, their offense isn't playing that well. Yeah. That Steve Spagnola defense has really uh, really impressed me this week against the Dolphins, and they've been doing that all year. Um, that's why they're you know as much as as Mahomes and Reed are why they're winning. Their defense is why they're winning. So I have them at number mm-hmm. one. I have the Ravens at number two. I have the Eagles at number three, the Bengals at number four, the Lions at number five, the Jaguars six, the 49ers have dropped for me all the way down to seven. And that's what Mm. three losses will do. Yeah. Uh, I have your Cowboys at eight, my Dolphins at nine and number 10, I have the Cleveland Browns. Um, Ah, Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I've, I have three AFC North teams in my list, and I don't mm-hmm. have the Buffalo Bills in there right now. Um, but they're, I, I would have them next at number 11. My bottom three, I have Carolina as the, the, the bottom team, the worst team in the NFL. And then I have mm-hmm. the New England Patriots at uh, number, okay. whatever that is, number 31. And then I still have the Bears at number 30. Um, oh, yeah, I still think they're pretty bad. I mean, I, w- with Justin Fields back, they'll be better. Um, I'm I'm sort of basing it on the product I've seen the last couple weeks. That's fair. That's fair. You know, um, if they were to have an upset this week, man, it'd be it'll be hard to keep the Houston Texans out of the top ten. I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, because this would be this would be quite an upset um, if they exactly this week. Exactly, exactly. We're gonna talk a little bit about them here soon. So, uh, Dave, here we are. We're going to start talking about our player performances of the week. Uh, first off, we're going to talk about our week nine duds. Dave, give me your week nine uh, AFC and NFC dud. You want to do the duds before the uh, before the performances of the week? I guess maybe those those uh, I I ended it wrong here on the uh, the streamyard chat. So yeah, let's start off with the with the good, Dave. Let's start off with the players. Okay. Your your uh, player team. Uh, okay, so. For me, for the AFC, as good as CJ Stroud was this week, I'm gonna yeah. give it to the I'm gonna give it to the Baltimore Ravens, their entire team. That was oh, the wow. I, I would say that was the shellacking of the year. Um, their win over the Seahawks, 37 to 3. Um mm-hmm. and I say that because the Seahawks are a good team. You know, they came in uh whatever they came in, five and two. Um the first downs were 29 to six. The rushing mm. yards were 298 to 28. And it, and the time of possession was like 41 minutes to 19 minutes. I mean, it was, it was my goodness. Seriously, seriously might've been the most one-sided game of the season. So as good as yeah. CC crowd was, and as amazing as that double comeback he did was I'm giving it to the Ravens. And in the NFC, it has to be Josh Dobbs. I mean, the guy, oh, yeah, I like that. The guy had been there for five days, wasn't expecting to play. He was like almost like an emergency quarterback. Mm-hmm. And, and then, uh, you know, the uh, uh, what's his name? Jalen Hall. I don't even know what his name is. Jaron Hall. 
Jaron Hall, yeah. Yeah, he gets hurt. Dobbs has to go in. He doesn't know the playbook. He doesn't know the calls. He doesn't even know half the guy's names. <laughs> and they pull out, and he does his thing. Like, he, he's done before, coming to these teams cold. Um, and 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 they win 31-28 in a weird game. Like, uh, you know, everything about the game was, was super strange. Um, uh, but anyway, they win – they, they pull off the, the big upset, so he's mine. Who are your players of the week for week nine? Players or – uh, Yeah, so AFC pretty easy for me, Dave. You know, you mentioned already C.J. Stroud set the single-game rookie record for passing yards, led the game winning touchdown drive, and threw five touchdowns and had zero interceptions. I mean, for a rookie, my goodness, that what an incredible, incredible performance. And then in the NFC, I'm going with Taysom Hill. Reason being is he had a receiving and a passing touchdown in week nine and became only the third player in NFL history to have 10 receiving, 10 rushing, and 10 passing touchdowns. I didn't think he'd be much of anything after uh, Sean Payton left, but, hey, here he is year two without Sean Payton, and he's still producing. So kudos yeah. to him. He's he's the number one tight end in fantasy over the last three weeks, and he basically functions as their goal line QB. Yeah. Right? They, you know, it's bad for – from a fantasy perspective, it's if you got Derek Carr or Alvin Kamara, every time he comes in, you're like, you know, right. <laughs> yeah. but he gets it done, man. It's amazing. And and you mentioned the the ten the three different ways, ten touchdowns, and that only three players have done that. The last one was Frank Gifford, and that was in like the late fifties, early sixties. So it's something that hadn't been done in uh in a really long time. And I, I think that like as fans and or as analysts who cover sports, um, it's always really fun when there are players who can do multiple things, like whether it's Otani in baseball, you know, pitching and hitting or, you know, like a Bo Jackson or a Deion Sanders playing two sports. Um, and, and and then, you know, or like if there was a, if there was an NFL player that played like offense and defense, yeah. um, but just seeing Taysom Hill, like, you know, he's a quarterback, a receiver, and a running back. It's just cool to see. You know, it would be great if more teams, you know, had a guy like that. And and you wonder, since it's a copycat league, if, you know, maybe there's another Taysom Hill out there um, and that other teams will start, uh, you know, trying to find guys like that because the, the Saints are one of the more efficient red zone teams in the NFL, and he's a big part of that. So so I like that call. Um, Let's move on to the to the duds of the week. Paul, who are your AFC and NFC uh, duds from week nine? My AFC dud is, is the Buffalo Bills coaching staff, Dave. In the last three games, Allen has thrown the ball almost 40 times per game, and Buffalo has lost two of those three games. Uh, they refused to use James Cook, and their running backs had a combined 13 touches in week nine, which, of course, we know that the Bills lost that game. They just put entirely too much pressure on on Josh Allen. You know, really, I know they've got good receivers and they, they've tried to help him, but I don't know. That they just seem to rely on him too much, and I, I don't understand it. And then my uh, NFC dead of the week, Arthur Smith, man. I mean, if you just see how he's using B. John Robinson and Kyle Pitts, I don't have to go too much more into that, but my goodness, I don't know what this guy's doing. Yeah, you're not the only one. Uh, and, you know, obviously fantasy managers are besides beside themselves. Um, you know, Jonu Smith gets two of the three plays when they get inside the five. And I saw this. Bijan Robinson, I think, 
only has one carry inside the five yard line this year. Yeah, um, only one. And I guess Arthur Smith, when you know, he doesn't like being asked about this stuff, like most coaches, you know, and he and he he gets pissed off that people you know, care so much about fantasy football and that that's part of the reason they ask him these questions. But I thought I saw him say something to the effect of having Bijan out there, he ends up being a decoy and it enables other players, you know, to be more open and have more space and that that's that it's working. So that's not the answer anyone wants to hear, but yeah, that's what he's saying. So, you know, he'll, he has become, He's replaced if it was Bill Belichick, you know, a while back with like James White and like, you know, you didn't know which running back to start. And, you know, Kyle Shanahan before they had McCaffrey. Um, I think Arthur Smith is wearing the crown right now as the most hated coach from the fantasy community without question. No Um, doubt. No doubt. And so there's that. All right. So for me, you know, we talked about it before, but my, my dud of the week is is Zach Wilson and the Jets. Um, you know, the Chargers that coming into that game, I think they had given up, you know, they had one of the, the bottom pass defenses in the NFL, like bottom three. Um, and all the Jets managed was two field goals at home um, mm. in, in prime time. So I'll give them my AFC dud of the week. And my, my NFC dud of the week, I'm going to do something a little different this week. I'm giving it to the NFC West. Right. So the 49ers didn't play this week. The the Rams, the Seahawks, and the Cardinals did play three teams and they combined for nine points. Oh um, just abysmal. I mean, look, two of them were yeah. starting two of them were starting quarterbacks who shouldn't start in the NFL. And it was kind of an emergency situation for both the Rams and the Cardinals. But still, man, nine points across three teams is just embarrassing the 49ers will be back this week to uh hopefully make that division look a little better but that that's my nfc dud of the week all right Dave, moving on to our uh surprise surprises of week nine what team or player was the biggest week nine surprise for you so i mentioned it earlier in my player of the week i mean it has to be for me josh dobbs and the vikings like it's a surprise that he was in the game much less, and yeah. when he first came in, I think he turned the ball over right away, or something bad happened when he, he had a safety, I believe, right? Yes, yeah, a safety. That's it. Yeah. But he, but he regrouped and they won the game. And so for me, like I think this game was almost a throwaway for the Vikings. Um, you know, knowing they really didn't have a quarterback, um, and they end up winning the game. So that that was the biggest surprise for me. How about for you? Yeah, Josh Dobb and the Minnesota Vikings. Dobbs has been in Minnesota for maybe a week, was forced to play a game due to injury and led the Vikings to victory. I mean, it's easy to root for Josh Dobbs just because he seems like a good person. I know he's he's a literal rocket scientist. You know, he goes and beats the Cowboys, uh, the Cardinals, you know, with the Cardinals in week four. And the Cardinals haven't won a game since then. It's just a cool story, man. I like to hear stories like that in the NFL. A hundred percent. And uh, I, I saw this. This is not my stat of the week. We're going to get to stats in a second, but. Like the, for the three teams he's played for, all of the, whom he's played for this calendar year, his time from being signed to playing in a game, I think with the Titans was eight days back in January. With the Cardinals, it was like a couple of weeks. I think it was 19 days, um, you know, after they abruptly cut uh, 
um, what's his name, McCown in the in the preseason. And then with the Vikings, it was five days. So he's got to be the smartest guy in the NFL because he comes yeah. in and like immediately is able to figure out what he's supposed to do. So um, absolutely amazing. Um, now we're going to get to what might be my favorite segment of the show each week, the stat of the week. Paul, what is your stat of the week uh, coming out of week nine? This was a, a pretty crazy stat for me, Dave, when I saw it. But uh, prior to week nine, the Dallas Cowboys had had only one lead change in seven games. Really? Yes, sir. Yeah, they've had popped up, and I'm just like, my goodness, how is that even possible? Yeah, they've had a weird season that way. Like they, they, Mm -hmm. they haven't had a lot of normal games. Um, You know, you think back to the Giant game, the Patriot game. They've had games that were so one-sided, and the games they lost, like San Francisco, like you know, they were behind the whole game. Yeah. My stat of the week is. is going to come out of the the Browns Cardinals game. So the Cardinals ran 48 plays on Sunday and they had 58 net yards for an average of something like 1.2 yards per play, which is um, pretty much as bad as it gets. So mm-hmm. uh, that that's my stat of the week. Um, my goodness, a lot of good stats this week too. I don't know if you saw this one that the Steelers have been outgained in every game they've played, and they're five and three. Um, which is another good one, but uh, yeah, that is really good. Yeah, we'll we'll stop there with the statistics because there were a lot of <laughs> there were a lot of kooky ones this past week. Yes, sir. All right, Dave. So um, we will talk a little bit about the Ravens and Week Nine. The Ravens decimated yet another NFC playoff hopeful. Are they the NFL's most complete team right now? You know, they they certainly right now I think are playing better than anyone, and they're the team I'd I'd maybe least like to play right now because they are playing really well on mm-hmm. both sides of the ball. But I'm still going to go with the Chiefs, um, a, a kind of a longer-term answer. I, I think the way their defense is playing and the fact that they have Patrick Mahomes, I think by the end of the year, whether it's Rasheed Rice or someone else, I think, the, you know, they're, they're – some receivers going to kind of emerge to to give them a threat alongside Travis Kelsey. I think that when push comes to shove in the playoffs, they have the the sideline, you know, the coaching staff I'd want the most. Um, so I'll still say the Chiefs, but I I do think that the Ravens are making the case um, right now that they're the they're the best rounded team in the NFL. What do you? Uh, you think it's them, or do you got someone else in mind? No, you know, I want to say I know they're on a three-game losing streak, but it, it had been San Francisco. That being said, it's kind of crazy that as good as San Francisco is, they lose Debo Samuel, who's a good weapon for them, and they also lose Trent Williams. You know, anytime you lose your left tackle, that's going to hurt. But just the way that they've kind of crumbled with those two losses, it's, it's surprising to me. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to go against the Ravens. They really are the most complete team right now. Maybe Detroit Lions being a, a close second, but the Ravens had their way with them. So, you, you know, you, that argument can go either way. Yeah. I think it is those two, though, right now, because like I said, the Eagles, their defense just isn't good enough to be in that conversation yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that defense could easily come together, though. Um as 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 we you know as they get healthier and and uh and play some more games so you mentioned cj stroud i mentioned him too um 
you know, it was one of the great rookie performances of all time, honestly, um, in one game, at least for a quarterback. Uh, he led his team on two game-winning drives um, at the end of the game. One wasn't enough because then the Bucks scored, and then he had less time, and he and he came back down and did it again. Um, are the are the Texans a contender, um, or do you think this is just a year where? You know, let let all these young guys get as many reps as they can. Uh, they got a young receiving core. They got you know some some key young pieces on defense um, and build for the future. What do you think? You know, initially I thought this would be a rebuilding developmental year for Houston, but the AFC is, is somewhat weak outside of maybe four teams. I think Houston could easily sneak into one of the one of the uh, one of the two wild card spots. I wouldn't be surprised if they did that. Honestly, they. You mentioned a complete team. They, they have a solid secondary. Their offense is, is clicking, and they've got a good coaching staff too. Like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if they stuck, if they were the seventh seed. Yeah, the one thing that has concerned me with them the most is they really can't run the ball. Um, yeah. They've really struggled to run the ball, and that puts a lot of pressure on a young quarterback if they can't, you know, figure something out with that running game. And so far – you know, they've kind of gotten away with it and they're at 500 or yeah. Are they four and four? I think they're four and four. Yeah. Four um, and four right now. Way better than anyone thought they'd be right now. Um, but I, 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 I don't think, I think, you know, I think the AFC is pretty strong and I don't see them being in the playoffs this year, but I think uh, unless they can catch the Jaguars and win the division, um, but I do think that next year we'll be talking about them in the preseason as a team, you know, to, to kind of watch out for um, as, a, as a riser in the AFC. Yeah. Yeah, because you have to think, you look at the AFC, the AFC North could potentially have three, if not four teams in the playoffs somehow. Yeah. Crazy. All right, so the, uh, mentioning the AFC North, the Steelers keep winning ugly, low-scoring games, and Deshaun Watson really doesn't look right. If the season ended today, all four NFC North teams would make the playoffs. Uh, which one is most likely to fall short and not get in? You know, I have to say, even though Mike Tomlin is, you know, probably the easily the best coach in that division and and just always has his team ready to play and, and in games, um, I just don't think the Steelers are that good. Um, I think their defense is, is decent and can keep them in games. Um, and, you know, TJ Watt is a, is a difference maker. Highsmith's a really good player. Minka Fitzpatrick's a really good player when he's healthy. Um, but that offense, man, Kenny Pickett is an average quarterback at best, you know, and their offense is boring. You know, their running game is slow. Um, it's a little better when Jalen Warren's in there. Um you know, they, they just don't inspire a lot of uh, confidence when you watch them. And I, I think I think their luck's going to run out. You can't keep getting outgained every game, hanging around, you know, not doing anything on offense for 55 minutes and then pulling out wins. Um, it's worked so far for them. But, um, you know, those teams are all going to have to play each other. And I think that's where the Steelers will come up short, going up against – three really, really good defenses in that division. So they'd yeah. be my choice. Um, even though I don't think Deshaun Watson looks good and I worry about the Browns, you know, being too reliant on their defense and not having, 
you know, losing Nick Chubb was was a huge loss for them. Um, but what do you think? Which of these AFC North teams do you think is most likely to miss? I'd have to go with, with the Steelers as well, just because Matt Canada, man, may be the worst offensive coordinator in the NFL right now with you look, look at the pieces that he has. It's, you can't you can't trust him in uh, as they've looked better with the return of Deontay Johnson, but I just haven't seen enough to to think that they can take the step to to make a playoff, make the playoffs, make a run for the playoffs, rather. All right, so we're in agreement on that one. That's good. Um, so it's been a it's been a crazy season in in that nine rookie QBs have started games this year, which which ties the NFL record, believe it or not. Um, and we're only nine weeks in and and seven rookie QBs started games this past week. And then when Tommy DeVito came in for the Giants, uh, when Daniel Jones got hurt, it made it eight. Um, mm. You know, first off, can you remember anything like this? So many quarterbacks have gotten hurt this year and so many of the backups or some in some cases it's third stringers um, are rookies. But outside of C.J. Stroud, are there any of the rookie QBs you've been particularly impressed with? You know, I, I cannot remember ever seeing a season like this, Dave, but as far as rookie quarterbacks go, Richardson was, was showing a lot of promise before he got injured. Tyson Badgen is showing he belongs maybe on a roster and how he's played uh, on, on a roster to, despite the turnovers and how he's played. I also think Will Levis might, might surprise people with a full off season outside of those three guys. I don't, I don't know. I think the jury's still out on Bryce Young. Um, I don't watch a lot of Carolina games, but anybody that I hear talk about Bryce Young says that there's, you know, they're not, haven't been very impressed. I know he's he's a rookie and he's playing like a rookie, but for being the number one overall pick, I mean, he's being compared to C.J. Stroud, which isn't really fair to not just Bryce Young, but some other quarterbacks in the league as well. Um, they just, I don't know, may, maybe feel like Bryce Young might struggle for a while before he he starts to get going, I think. Yeah, I agree. Look, uh, look, you know, Richardson looked good before he got hurt. I do think Levis has has shown really well in the two games he's played. I mean, he didn't beat the Steelers and he didn't throw any touchdowns, but he played pretty well again. And he kind of just looks like he has it. You know, he's got poise. He's not scared. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they've already announced now that he's the starter and Tannehill's the backup. And I think that's the smart thing to do if you're them. I mean, Tannehill's a free agent at the end of the season. I'm a little surprised they didn't trade him. Um, yeah. Like I could think of a team that that's only 30 miles from where my house is that could use him. <laughs> um, maybe could use Ryan Tannehill, but um, you know, maybe he's a good mentor. Um, and, uh, and that's a good thing to have in the quarterback room if you're trying to develop a rookie. So I can understand keep it. And maybe it doesn't work with Levis and the, and the Titans are still kind of in it. So um, I guess it made sense to keep him around, but I'm, I'm curious to see how Levis does now over the next few weeks. Um, Cause I think that'll be an interesting thing to watch. Absolutely. So Dave, we're going to talk a little bit about Thursday night football here. Uh, this matchup, man, if it doesn't, it doesn't get any more Thursday night football than this at one and seven, the Panthers at the two and seven bears. Is this the worst matchup in the history of Thursday Night Football, and will you watch? Uh, it probably is the worst matchup in Thursday Night Football, although there were some really bad ones. Last year there was that Colts-Broncos game, although they weren't, like, as bad teams that, like, there were 
it was all field goals and it went to overtime. It was a horrible game. Um, yeah. But on paper, on paper, this is up there. Um, I will watch because I'm a football junkie, and yes, uh, and and I'm sure I got Adam Thielen on my you know my main fantasy team, so I'll watch just to see you know what he does. And I'm also just kind of curious um, if Justin Fields plays, you know how much better the Bears look with him, and and I'd like to get another look at Bryce Young. I haven't seen that much. You know, I, I saw the game where, where they played the Dolphins and I've seen, you know, on my on my Sunday ticket screen where them, they're in one of the four boxes sometimes. But I'm curious to see what what he looks like. How about you? Are you going to uh, are you going to torture yourself and uh, and pay attention to this game? You know, I, I don't think I've watched uh, um, Thursday Night Football this year only because it's one of the few nights where I can spend time with the wife and the son and, you know, not, not have to do something for podcasting or fantasy or anything like that. So I probably won't watch. I'll, I'll keep up with the game on sleeper. Like I usually do. Um, but yeah, I think this could be we'll talk about it later, but I don't know, two bad teams, two kind of bad defenses. This could be one of those high scoring affairs that kind of sets the tone for the fantasy week. Yeah. Well, that, that would be good. Um, and an interesting subplot to this game is that, Chicago has Carolina's first round pick. And I think if the season ended today, Chicago would probably have like the first and third pick or the first and fourth pick. Um, so do you think that gives the bears any added incentive to just send the Panthers to one and eight and keep them with the worst record in football? Or does it not matter? I got one word, Dave. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. They kind of win either way, right? Like if, if the bears, yeah. If they both come out of this game two and eight, um, well, I guess it would be two and seven and two and eight. Um, you know, it, it either way, the, the Bears are likely to have two of the top five picks next year. Um, and that'll be interesting as to whether they look at a quarterback or stick with Justin Fields. So that's another story for another podcast. Yeah, I was gonna say I saw at one point on Sunday that the Bears had the first and second overall pick. So that was interesting. Yeah. Um, a lot a lot probably depends on whether Justin Fields and to a lesser extent Khalil Herbert make it back from injury to play in this game. But who are you starting in fantasy from this one? You know, to your point earlier, I, I think at least on the Chicago side, if Fields plays, you know, the Panthers have not been a good defense. They've been a pretty fantasy friendly defense. They're missing both of their starting corners. You know, I think you play Fields, you, you play DJ Moore, you play Cole Komet. Not yeah. really sure about, you know, the running backs. If 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 Khalil Herbert's back, then it's kind of hard to trust any of the three. Mm -hmm. um, so I'd maybe stay away in that case. If he's not back, I think you fire up Deontay Foreman. I mean, the, the Panthers have especially been vulnerable to running backs. So, you know, you maybe not Roshan. Maybe if Khalil Herbert's back, he's, you know, he's flex worthy. That's just a little risky. And then on the Carolina side, Fewer players. I think it's really just Adam Thielen and probably Chuba Hubbard. Right, right, right. You know, he's, he seems to have the upper hand on Miles Sanders right now, and that's a good matchup, too, against the Bears. How about you? Also, you if Field starts – yeah, sorry. If, if Field starts, everybody you mentioned, and I, you know, I think a case could be made for Darnell Mooney. He kind of started to show out a little bit here with Tyson Badgen. I don't know if that will continue with Fields, but um, – you know, that, that deep ball threat's always nice to have. Yeah, 100%. All right, so 
we'll do our uh, look at the rest of the week 10 slate here um, and kind of go through some of our regular weekly features. Um, what's your game of the week candidate? What, what game are you most looking forward to this week? After his performance in week nine and his first real test of the season, give me CJ Stroud and the Texans versus Joe Burrow and the Bengals. That's a game I want to watch. That's a good one. Um, I, I thought about that one. Um, but for me, it's the 49ers at the Jaguars. And, mm, you know, yeah, these yeah. Two, teams, two teams that should make the playoffs this year um, mm -hmm. going in different directions. The Jaguars, I think, have the longest winning streak in the NFL right now. They've won five in a row. The 49ers have lost three in a row. Um, both teams coming off a bye, so they're kind of equally rested. Um, mm -hmm. maybe, maybe Debo Samuel's back. Maybe Zay Jones comes back with the Jaguars and both teams are kind of at, plus Trent Williams, you know, maybe everyone's as, as much full strength as you can be in week 10. Um, yeah, it's an important game for both teams. So, uh, you know, it's, it's one that the Jaguars probably can afford to lose a little more than the 49ers. They don't want to lose four in a row, but that's the one I'm, I'm most looking forward to. Yeah, we're talking about our game of the week, Dave. Which is what? Which game is your dead of the week? Uh, cover your ears. It's the Giants at the Cowboys. Um, <laughs> oh, after what happened? After what happened in Week One, and with Tommy DeVito starting, this is going to be ugly. I mean, I don't see any way yeah. this game is not just horrible football to watch. And I think even for Cowboy fans. You could be mowing the lawn by the second half. So uh, I think this is just, you know, this the, the line is 15 and a half, um, which might be the biggest betting line we've seen so far this year. So I think this is, is being handicapped as the most lopsided game of the season, and I, I would actually bet the Cowboys. What's your dud of the week? Yeah, just to kind of touch on your point, Dave, this could be a get-right game for the Cowboys defense for sure. But, uh, man, my dud of the week. Raiders and the Jets. Good, my goodness. Zach Wilson and Aiden O'Connell. Come on, man. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But I don't know. The Raiders, at least with you know, under under Antonio Pierce, they they look good last week, and maybe it's that's an true. game from that perspective. And it it's two teams that I think are they both four and four, or maybe the Raiders are three and five. I'm not sure, but you know, it's an important game for both teams. They're both kind of like hanging around the fringes of of wildcard world so right uh, i don't want to watch it either i i agree with you <laughs> yeah it's it's not a not a pretty one like a train so, wreck but you can't take your eyes off of it exactly exactly so this this is one we like to do every week what's your sneaky shootout of the week paul yeah it's probably not that sneaky but buffalo and denver should be an interesting game dave i know uh Buffalo's working out some kinks on offense, kind of still trying to figure things out. And and Denver don't look now, but they've they've started to kind of figure some things out. I believe they're on a, a two-game winning streak prior to entering their bye week. So, you know, who knows? I, I think that could be a high-scoring affair there. That's fair. Um, mine is Washington at Seattle. You know, the over-under for this is 44 and a half. And mm -hmm. the commanders have played in a lot of shootouts this year. They they don't have a good defense and they traded away they're starting defensive ends two weeks ago. Um, Seattle kind of needs a get right game after what happened to them last week. I think they need to get Geno going. They need to get DK Metcalf going. Those have been two of the most 
disappointing performers in fantasy this year. Um, mm-hmm. But Sam Howell is, you know, he's chucking it like 40 to 50 times a game and he's got weapons and uh, neither of these teams has a great defense. It's, it is supposed to rain. So that could temper this a little bit, but um, I like the over in that game. And I, I like this to be, you know, a game where both teams could be right around 30 points. Yeah. That, that should be a fun game to watch. All right, Dave, which team has the biggest chance of pulling off an upset? So I looked at the betting lines this week, and there aren't that many big ones. You know, almost all the games are within three points, um, except Mm -hmm. for you. But I'm going to go with the Jaguars. They're getting three points at home. I know the 49ers are going to just want to come in and put the beat down on someone and, and, and get this turned around and get back to winning every week. Um, but you know, the Jaguars defense has been better than expected. Brock Purdy has not played well the last couple times out. And, uh, you know, I think this will be a close game, a one possession game at the end. And, uh, I like the Jaguars to um, to stay with them and and have a good chance to either win outright or cover the number, um, you know, at at, at getting three. Um, I know this isn't a gambling pod, but uh, <laughs> I, but I like them to win outright. I mean, I think they have a good chance to do so. What? Who do you think has the best chance to pull off an upset this week? And don't say the Giants, please. <laughs> My goodness, no. Because I just I... won't believe you. I'll be incapable of believing you. <laughs> No, so it's a little it's a little early for April Fools, Dave. But uh, if if Kyler Murray plays, give me Arizona to upset the Falcons. I like that one, and I, he is supposed to play. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Expecting him to play, and that's you know we haven't really talked about it, but that's uh, that's definitely an interesting subplot um, for the week is his return um, and what it could mean for that team. Um, so. We'll do a little fantasy talk now, as we always do each week. Um, you know, with the with the Dolphins and the Eagles on by, um, and they're the two highest scoring teams in the NFL this year, and and the, the two highest scoring wide receivers in uh, AJ Brown and and Tyreek Hill in reverse order, actually, plus Jalen Hurts, um, plus Raheem Mostert, who's like the a top ten RB this year. Yeah, you got, the, you got the Chiefs off, so Mahomes, Kelsey, um, and there's you know there's still a lot of injuries out there. Um, from a fantasy standpoint, how are you approaching this week? What are your thoughts overall? All right, Dave. You know my approach is don't be afraid to get weird. If you're like in a tight end premium, maybe start two, three tight ends if, if that's the the scoring format that that you're in, or. Um, start players that are playing in games that are projected to be high scoring. I think that's something that might be a little overlooked too. And in, in weeks like this, where high scoring players are, are on bye weeks, if you know, if you have a guy that maybe has just been more of a stash guy, but he's playing in the Buffalo Denver game or like a Brandon Johnson or something, and you know, this is the maybe the type of week to plug him in there. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. I mean, I think. You know what I was going to say is if you're short this week because you're missing like. In my main league, I have I have Tua and Tyreek, which has been crushing yeah. as a as a stack. But I need to replace both of them this week, and I, and I do have decent options. Um, but you know, I'm also going to want to look at matchups to exploit. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, I have Geno as my backup, and I haven't played him yet this year, and I'm glad I haven't. I like the matchup this week, so I'm feeling pretty oh, yeah, good yeah. about plugging him in against the Commanders. Um, 
But I think in general, like what you said, you know, it is a week to get a little creative, you know, use the waiver wire, um, try to find good streamers. Um, if you're, if you're out, you know, a player like Kelsey or AJ Brown, like these are, this is a weird week in, in that there are so many like top overall top 20, I would say, or top 25, uh, fantasy producers on by it might be a, a bit of a low scoring week in fantasy for that reason and so you may not need as many points um to win a matchup depending on who who your opponent has yeah that's a good point it could be a very low scoring week for fantasy and just in the nfl overall yeah last week certainly was um mm-hmm. and uh you know there were four there were some good teams on by last week too like the lions and the Jaguars and the 49ers. So it's kind of a little bit like last week in that sense. Yeah, true, true. So uh, you, we talked a little bit about the Seahawks, Dave. You mentioned starting Geno. Uh, Geno and the entire Seahawks offense has really been struggling as of late. They get a bad commander's defense at home. Is this a make-or-break game for Geno and, and that offense? Is he in danger of maybe being benched? You know, I don't think he's in danger of being benched, but, you know, I think if you, like, went into a – a Seahawks chat room somewhere online. People are talking yeah. about people are talking about Drew Locke. Um, and I think if Geno gets off to a rough start in this game, um, you know, maybe he throws a pick early, maybe there's a couple three and outs to start the game. You might hear some Drew Locke chants. Um, I do think this is a big game for Geno because he really, you know, that that guy who shocked the world last year and was a top 10 fantasy QB and like led the NFL in completion percentage and didn't turn the ball over and was super efficient. We just haven't seen that guy. And like, you know, he's like the QB 15 or 16. Um, DK Metcalf is like the wide receiver of 40 or something to this point. They just haven't gotten it going in their defense. You know, they've already played the Ravens, the Browns, the Bengals, some really good defenses. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, that's not always an excuse, but I do think they've had a very tough schedule. They have a winning record. They're five and three. Right. Um, so it's not all bad, but I, I do think Gino and that whole offense really need to click this week to silence the critics, get some confidence and get them pointed in the in the right direction. And I, I think they will. Um, Agreed. Yeah. You have any any additional thoughts on that? No, you, you brought up the point that I was going to bring out if you didn't mention it, but the defenses that they played in, in, the, in the two of the last three games, the defenses that they, that they played were they've had those losses. They played the Browns and they played the Ravens. Two really, really good defenses. So, you know, I don't think Geno is getting benched, but Dave, I can guarantee if we were to go on Reddit, there's a start Drew Lock chat somewhere. Yeah, somewhere and on that both, app. both of those games were on the road, right? They were at Cleveland and they were and they were at – was the Cleveland game on the road? I can't remember, but – yeah, it's it's been a tough uh, a tough schedule for them, and it'll eventually get easier. They, at some point, they'll play the Cardinals again. That'll help. Yeah. Um, so another team that's been really been struggling lately offensively is the Packers. Um, they haven't broken twenty points or scored more than twenty points in six straight games, and they got a tough tough game at Pittsburgh. Never an easy place to play. And on the flip side. The Steelers have only topped 20 points once in their last five games. So you have kind of two teams that have been boring and struggling on offense. Uh Um, So from a fantasy perspective, which players in this game are you confidently starting? You know, because of the 
teams and players on by, I feel like you have to start these guys if you have them. I mean, I, I think this could be a sneaky shootout game. And, you know, we know the Steelers have a good defense. The The Packers defense has been solid, not, nothing special, but they can both create turnovers. I could give, you know, both teams maybe shorter fields, you know, closer opportunities to the red zone. And Aaron Jones came back, you know, was unleashed, so to speak, like Matt LaFleur had, had told everybody he looked good in his game back, of course. And then you've got the running back duo of, of Jay. Jalen Warren and Najee Harris. I just, uh, you know, I, I would start. I would start these guys. I wouldn't say with confidence, but just in the hopes that you're going to get a TD. And sometimes that's really all you need from a guy. Yeah, I mean, for me, I guess it depends on what else I have on my roster. That's always yeah, the case. for sure, of course, yeah. But in a vacuum, you know, I'm confident about Aaron Jones. I'm confident about Deontay Johnson because I think he's just going to be Kenny Pickett's, especially with Fryermuth still out, like. Mm-hmm. He's going to be kind of the short area and intermediate area guy. You know, George Pickens, I would not confidently start him this week. Um, and, you know, Najee's played better the last couple of weeks. So I guess, you know, he's certainly a, you could start him as, as an RB2 and, and maybe Jalen Warren as a flex. But I'm pretty out on the Packers passing game this week. Uh, you know, Jordan Love sure. and those receivers. Um they just haven't been getting it done at all. Um, maybe Luke Musgrave because the tight end position is pretty weak and he did score his first touchdown last week. But that's, you know, that game can't be the dud of the week because it's an important game and they're traditionally good teams. But that game, mm-hmm. could, that, could, that could be a game with a lot of punts, honestly. Yeah, I could. It very well could. All right, Dave, we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, some play. Players who uh, we like and dislike in fantasy this week. Which highly ranked player is your fate of the week? So for me, that's Saquon Barkley. You know, he's he's ranked as the RB10 this week, and he'll get yeah. the volume. I have no doubt about that. Um, but the Giants implied total this week is 11 points. I can't remember an implied oh total that low. Um, yeah. You know, they, they didn't score uh, – would they score six points against the Raiders last week, seven points or 10 points against the Jets the week before, mm-hmm. um, you know, with, with DeVito under center, they're going up against the Cowboys defense that I'm sure would love to shut them out for a second time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think Saquon, look, I, you know, could he, will he get you 10 to 12, like half PPR points? Probably. Cause we'll probably have 25 carries for, 70 yards and you know five catches for 15 yards or 20 yards so you know i don't think he's going to be a total disaster but i don't think he's going to find the end zone and uh i'll 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 fade him at at his ranking for the week how about for you yeah dave i hate to do this and i know it's going to come back to haunt me but i'm fading b john robinson man you just arthur smith doesn't know what he's doing we don't know what he's doing he's not using him now i can't expect him to use them anytime soon or at least use them properly. So B. John Robinson is my fate of the week. Yeah, it's really frustrating when you think back to like Kyle Pitts last year and Bijan this year and Drake London, who just hasn't seemed to be able to stay healthy in his two seasons and produce consistently. Like <clears throat> you got three top 10 draft picks at skill positions and none of them are just, you know, the, the studs you expect them to be part of it is usage um, and, and the opportunities they get. So that is 
frustrating and I, I like your answer. Um, the flip side of that, which lower ranked player is your sleeper of the week in fantasy this week? I'm going to go with my guy, Marquise Brown. You look at the Falcons defense, they've allowed the third most touchdowns to receivers with 11. And even though Kyler Murray hasn't played a game this season, Brown has been getting the volume every week, averaging eight targets a game. So I like his chance to, to have a big game. Well, Paul, we almost got to the end of the show without one of us stealing the other's answer because that's what I've got <laughs> down on my show sheet is Hollywood Brown. Um, Hollywood. I don't, think, I don't think there's a player uh, more happy to see his quarterback get oh back. My goodness, the yeah. they, they played together at Oklahoma. They got, you know, they 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 did well together last year when they were on the field at the same time before Kyler got hurt and. Uh, Hollywood's ranked as the wide receiver 26 this week, and I, I have him easily as a wide receiver too. You know, I won't be surprised if he finishes the week as, you know, inside the top 15 at the position. So we are aligned. Um, so, Dave, uh, I don't want to interrupt you here, but we've got a first here. We've got our first comment of the show ever, and we've got a trade question here. Half PPR, would you trade Keenan and Brees Hall for Jamar Chase? Uh, uh, Kenneth, um, I, I I don't know if that's Kenneth Gainwell or if that's uh, the running back for the, uh, the Seahawks. Be, I think it's got to be Kenneth Walker because you're getting yeah, Kenneth Walker. And, exactly, yeah. So uh, uh, just to recap here, half PPR, Kenan Allen, Keenan Allen and Brees Hall for Jamar Chase, uh, Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet. What are you doing there? Dave. I'm assuming I'm assuming we're not talking dynasty, although even if we are, it's maybe it, it's Still a little close because Keenan Allen's the one player in the trade who isn't in his first or second or third year. Um, yeah. You know, it depends on the rest of my roster. Um, you're I probably would um, because in Jamar Chase. Well, here's the other thing is Chase got hurt last week. So mm -hmm. I'd want to sort of very closely monitor whether he's going to play this week and whether they think this is something that's going to keep him out for a little bit. Um, Brees Hall is great, but that Jets offense is so limiting. Yeah. Um, I do think Keenan Allen is is going to score close to the same points as Chase for the for the rest of the season just because of the usage he's getting. Um, so on second thought, maybe I'd pass on this. Um, I kind of like having the two healthy guys, uh, mm -hmm. you know, Ken Walker's been a little up and down this season. It's a pretty fair trade. I'll say that the fact that I'd feel bad making the trade on either side, I'd feel like maybe I'm not getting enough. That means it's a good trade, right? Like if both sides exactly. are thinking they didn't get the best of it. Right, um, right. So I don't know. What do you think? What, what do you think about this trade? I didn't answer his question because I'm stumped. <laughs> and Dynasty, I think I prefer the Chase, Kenneth, and Charbonnet side. And in redraft, man, I, I think I'm still probably leaning the Chase, Kenneth, and Charbonnet side. So yeah, I would trade. I'd trade Keenan and Brees Hall for the Chase and Kenneth and Charbonnet side. I'd do that. Excellent. Okay. Well, so we appreciate. Uh, who's the who's the the user? Th th. We appreciate you chiming in with a question. Good stuff. Yeah, uh, first ever on the show. Appreciate you, th. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Uh, so I think 
I see where we are. I think you're up, Paul. Yes, sir. Dave, who will have the highest scoring? Who will be the highest scoring player of the week? So I'm going to just go with the chalk answer and say Josh Allen. Um, he's mm. the highest scoring player of the year. Denver's a favorable matchup there at home. Yeah. And they're another team that really needs to kind of like get rolling. Um, you know, they've, they've, their offense has sputtered since the Miami game. They're not running the ball, as you said. Uh, curious to see how much they use Leonard Fournette this week. Um, and if he, oh, yeah, good point. you know, how, the, how that all breaks down, but I'll just go with the chalk. Josh Allen seems to get a rushing touchdown every week and a couple passing touchdowns and end up with, you know, 20 to 25 points. So I think he's the safe answer. Uh, who, who's your answer? All right, Dave, I'm going to go bold and I'm going to say Geno Smith. Looking at the Washington's defense, their pass rush isn't what it was after trading away Sweat and Chase. Seattle has one of the better offensive lines in the NFL. Pair that with a dynamic running back tandem and three dynamic receivers who can beat you all in different ways. I think Geno Smith is going to have a big week. Well, you're you're going to hear all about that when I make my bold call. So you're you're stealing. Yeah, my I look forward to it, man. Right, but I don't have him as my highest score of the week. Um, Who's your highest scoring non-QB of the week? I'll put my money on, on fresh off a of bye week and well-rested Christian McCaffrey, Dave. How about you? Yeah, that's – I mean, that that's a, a pretty obvious answer. I'm going to go with Joe Mixon against Houston. Mm, okay, I like you that. Know, he, had that, he had that one crazy game last year where he scored five touchdowns. Um, yeah. He hasn't been running, you know, for, for a high yard per carry, but he's gotten into the end zone, I think one or two weeks in a row he he was he had pretty good usage in the past game last week kind of tough to throw on on the texans um you know since the start of the 2022 season i think they've given up the fewest or second fewest fantasy points to uh quarterbacks um mm -hmm. they do have a good secondary as you said and uh i could see especially if chase isn't at 100% I could see a lot of underneath stuff and a lot of running and the Bengals just trying to control the clock in this game and giving it to Mixon when they get close. So it's a bit of a long shot because um, he hasn't really been all that great this year, but he seems to always have one crazy game a season and I'll, I'll bet on it for this week. I like it. I like it. All right, Dave, here we are with our bold calls of the week. Uh, week 10 edition, Dave, give me your bold call. I kind of already gave it, but because of what I said about your your Geno pick, but my bold call is that Geno Smith throws for 350 plus yards, four Ooh. touchdowns, and two of those touchdowns go to DK Metcalf. Man, I would love that. DK needs to have a big game, that's for sure. Yeah, he's really been missing in action. What's your bold call of the week, Paul? My bold call of the week, the Dallas Cowboys defense will be – the top 10 overall a, will be a top 10 overall fantasy score. I don't think that's that bold. <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think uh, you know, maybe uh, Deron Bland gets his fourth pick six of the season or something like that. Man, man, um, man, man, that'd be crazy. Yeah, well, it could happen. Um, yeah, all right. no doubt. Uh, so – I think we've we've made it to the end of the show, and we appreciate um, everyone sticking with us for this Absolutely. hour. Um, and the question we got, we appreciate that too. Um, 
Paul, remind everyone before we get out of here where they can find you on Twitter and where they can get at your content. Yes, you can find me on Twitter at Paul underscore Ryan 15. And my content can be found on both Twitter and YouTube. Uh, on Monday nights, uh, me and my guy CD Piglet and our, the newest member of the podcast are also the account manager, Brendan underscore Smith 26. We uh, recap the week previous of the Cowboys. And then on Friday nights, you can either find us with a guest or find us just the three of us talking about and predicting the Cowboys upcoming game. And again, that's on Friday nights and that's also on Twitter and YouTube. How about you, Dave? Yep. You can find me on Twitter at pigskin papers. Um, both P's are capitalized and I post my content there. And I also post it on my blog, thepigskinpapers.com. And I'll have my week 10 fantasy preview with starts, sits, and sleepers um, up by early tomorrow morning. So please check that out. Um, and Paul, I think for next week, we are going to be airing on Thursday night, not Wednesday night. And tell people where they can find the show next week. Yes, guys, you can find the show next week on the PSF app. That's going to be our new streaming platform dave and i and uh i can't say what what name to look for because we haven't figured out the name of the show yet but we will make sure to share the link on twitter and try to keep you uh, you guys updated prior to that stream right so download the app that's p is in paul s is in sam f is in frank psf um and if you download the app there's a whole bunch of uh football chats on there and streaming shows in addition to ours, you know, probably uh, every day of the week. So um, it's a pretty cool app. Check it out. And uh, we hope to see you all on our new platform next week. Absolutely. Have a good night, guys. Good night, Paul. Good night, sir.